Would you guys stand with me and welcome Dr. Chuck Hamilton. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Dwight. Well, good morning. I really came really for one reason, that was to get a hug from Dwight. I miss those. It, it is a joy to be here. It was about six months ago, Dwight mentioned to me, he said, would you come in July and share a message? And almost immediately, the Lord dropped a message in my heart. And oftentimes when speakers come, they give you their grade A message as they've preached it 30 times. And so this message is a first time message for you. So I, I want to challenge you. I believe that the Lord has some things for us today. I want to talk about dreams, okay? Not the dream you had last night after pizza and <laughs> pop and all the popping going on, but the dream of your life. Let me ask it this way. How many of you have and you are walking in your dream? That is awesome. Many of you have raised your hands. And if you're not, I just want to, I just speak a release today. I speak a realignment today. I believe the Lord wants to reorient us uh, to the greatness of our call and our destiny. And so let me begin this way. We're going to begin with a little bit of trivia. <clears throat> I'm going to read a quote to you, and I'm going to ask you to tell me what movie it came from, okay? So this is a quote. Welcome to Hollywood. What's your dream? Everybody comes here. This is Hollywood, land of dreams. Some dreams come true, some don't, but keep on dreaming. This is Hollywood. Always time to dream, so keep on dreaming. Who said what that? Pretty woman. Yep. Pretty woman. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> and I, 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 I told my wife that I was going to share this. She said, I don't know, Chuck. She said, that's kind of a racy movie. <laughs> That movie is a fantasy of every girl to be a princess. And you know, for those of you who are in the kingdom, it doesn't have to be a fantasy. It is reality Amen. to be a princess. And may we as parents over our children and our, our little girls and our sons, may we speak into them destiny and the, and the opportunity to dream in the kingdom. My wife does a fascinating thing with our granddaughters. She buys them each a pillowcase that says, the one who sleeps here is a princess, and she gives that to them. And so there's a reality, I think, that much of the church underestimates or doesn't fully understand the call and the challenge of our personal destiny and opportunity to dream in life. Amen. God has created you for greatness. Now, sometimes I know that when we come up against that, we shudder a little bit. I remember two weeks after I accepted the assignment to become the president of Harvest Prep, I was in my office just having a quiet time, and it wasn't so quiet because I was pacing and my spirit was agitated, and finally I just spoke my truth to the Lord. I said, Lord, I said, do you know what you're doing? <laughs> I'm just being honest. I felt overwhelmed by the call. I felt, I, I felt it was the Lord, but I felt overwhelmed. Uh, Bishop Lacavo from Eldoret, Kenya, at our apostolic meeting when they endorsed me for the presidency. He came to me after the meeting. He said, Chuck, and this is a great man. He's a man with a mantle, a nationwide mantle, one of those men, a man we respect. He said to me, Chuck, it's your responsibility to take harvest preparation to the next level. I didn't even know what level we were at, <laughs> let alone where we were going. But God knows. Amen. He doesn't make mistakes. And we can trust him. 
So as we open today, I want to just open with these couple thoughts. And that's that first, you are created in the image of God. Now, what does that mean? And, and I know you could, and they have written theological books on that term, being created in the image of God. But let me just simplify. I'm a very simple man. I love simple explanations. And I believe it means this, that we are created in the image of God, not that we look like God, because God is not physical, he's spiritual. So it can't be that we just simply look physically like him. But it has to mean this, that we in our lives have the opportunity of being created in his image and having been bestowed upon the mantle, the the anointing of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, we become the living temple and tabernacle of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are God-like. And there are religions that carry that too far. They, They actually preach and teach that we are gods. We're not gods. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God who has invested his spirit in us, and that makes us a holy temple. And so we are then, as made in his image, we are to think and to act and to look like God. Now that's a challenge when I'm having conflict with my wife. To think and to act and be compassionate, loving, like God. I mean, I get angry and I want to win the argument. That's not the goal. The goal is to think like God, to act like God, to respond like God would respond. And I don't know about you, that's not easy. Well, it's easy here. It's calm. I love Caleb. He's such a good man. I loved his message last week. week. How many of you heard Caleb's message last week? You need to invite, if you haven't, you need to get on the website and, and listen to that message. It was an excellent anointed message. Two, whatever it was, two or three weeks before that, Pastor Dwight spoke a message about the heart issue. And you need to listen. How many of you listen to that message? We're here. You won't hear that, and you're not hearing that message in the body of Christ. It took courage and anointing and a willingness to speak the truth, to speak that message. There are those who lambaste and probably have Pastor Dwight for speaking that message. But here's the unique thing. And this is the basis of this message. Every individual is created in what? In the image of God. Every person. I, have, I had an African lady stand up in a Q&A uh, situation, and she said, what does God look like? You know, there are people who, you know, Asians believe that Jesus is Asian. Italians believe he's Italian. He eats pizza. You know, whoever you are, you think that's who Jesus is. And she said, does Jesus, and this is what she said, does Jesus look like you or does he look like me? What does he look like? And so I did what Rick was recommending me to do as a pastor. I took the word of God and I just simply said, do you know what? The Bible says this, that we all are all created with one blood. I don't care what color of your skin are. If you come to me, Duncan, if we cut our, we become, we want to be blood brothers, we'll cut our wrists and guess what color Duncan's blood's going to be? Red. That's a revelation. Guess what color mine's going to be? Red. Why? Because God created us for unity. He didn't create us for division. And so we are made in his image. The, the saddest thing about this whole virus thing is it separates people, it isolates people, it robs people of their freedom. Jesus died that we could have. I've had a hard time with this thing. And I know Dwight has too. We're people. We love people. 
We want to be with people. We don't want to be sequestered. So we're made in the image of God. Secondly, we are called by God. I don't care who you are. You may never stand behind a pulpit. That doesn't matter. You are called by God. He has gifted you in certain ways. He has a plan for your life, and it's beautiful and powerful. And if you find out, it's like, now my golf game isn't very good. (laughs) Dwight can attest to that. But I work on it because I like golf. But you know what? When you hit that shot, you know, it's a good shot. It's, for me, it would be 220 yards down. For Dwight, it would be about 280, 270. But when you hit that shot, you hit the sweet spot of that club, and it's perfect. And when you find your calling in God, you find your sweet spot. I, I like to think of it this way. I'm going to use some different terms. I, I like to think of our calling as we being called investment capitalists in the kingdom. Now, that's maybe confusing. Investment capitalists in the kingdom. An investor, his goal is to, uh, to, to, to use his wisdom and to increase wealth. And, but I found this. This was interesting. I found this term that's from kind of the older curriculum dictionary. If you went back to an old Webster's, you would find this term in there. And so when it, for the term investing, it means the action of investing money for profit or material result. But there is a, an archaic definition that says this. Now listen to this close. Surrounding of a place by a hostile force in order to besiege or to block it. Let me read it again. The surrounding of a place by a hostile force in order to besiege or to blockade it. In our society, who is that talking about, do you think? If we had to put that definition to someone right now, who would we give it to? Be careful now, because this is a trick question. I I I never want to embarrass anybody. Who would we put that to? Huh? Satan? Who else? For me, I read that and I thought, man, that's all the rioters and all these Antifa and whoever they are that are causing all this rebellion. And the Lord immediately captured my heart and he said, no. This is a definition of the church. We are to gather, we are to blockade, we are to besiege the the assault of the enemy and to, to gather around and protect others, our family. We have the authority, members, all those. We are to do that. We are to assault the powers of darkness. We sang about it today. What can come against the name of the Lord? And he mentioned no one, in, no one living, no one in hell. Who can thwart God's plans and purposes? No one. And so you may not see it, I may not see it, but I guarantee you God's purposes are being worked out in our nation, thank God. Amen. And are you praying and besieging the works of darkness against our nation? And I know many of you are. I learned to pray early in my Christian life. When I, I, we were, our family was being assaulted over and over and over again. I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, when are you going to do something about this spirit of violence? And I'll never forget this. The Lord said, I'm not doing anything. My father spoke that to my, I'm not doing anything. But then he clarified. He said, you and Lynn are going to begin to pray. I've given you the authority. I've given you the challenge. And now I want you to pray again. I had no idea where that spirit of violence came from, but we began to pray. 
And after about a year, the Lord spoke to me and said, it's done, it's broken. Now, I don't know why it took a year. Maybe I didn't pray enough, or maybe I didn't pray hard, I don't know. But he said it was done. And you know what was interesting? After that, we had acts of violence in our household, different result, because we broke that thing. Amen. And so we have that authority. Now, <clears throat> the third thing after our, our uh, being created and called, and this is a big one, who or what can keep you from your dreams and your destiny? Who's the biggest foe? Exactly. And so this character issue is such an important thing. You know, your character in simplicity is who you are, good or bad. It's who you are when no one's looking. Had a guy one time come, part of the church, come in and talk to me a little bit and, and uh, got to leave. He said, oh, hey, by the way, here. He gave me 10 $100 bills. He said, put these in the offering for me. Nine for you, one for me. <laughs> Sometimes we think that way. Your character is the thing that will derail your destiny and, and rob you of your dreams. Want a biblical example of that, the truth of that? In 1 Timothy, it says this, and we talked about this last week. It gives 16 characteristics of, a, of an elder. And let me just say this, because you're not an elder, it doesn't void you of the responsibility of that. Those, those 16 things apply to all of us. But of those 16 things, there's one thing that talks about gifting. Just one area. An elder ought to be able to teach. Caleb hit that home run. But the rest are character issues. 96 or 99% of the issues of life are character issues. Because there's no problem with anointing. God has anointing for your life. He has a call for your life. He has plans and purposes for your life. But when we go astray and we go the wrong way, we are destroying our destiny. We are destroying the dreams that he gave us. And so, as we think about that, what is the currency of the kingdom? Investment, investors work in dollars, silver, gold, real estate, whatever. What's our currency? What are we investing in? People. People. Our dream and our destiny should include people. I stand, and I find this to be true, and it's a lie of the enemy. When we stand before some of the nations that we're in, in Burundi, Rwanda, Kenya, I find, and these are leaders. We're doing leader seminars. I find the leaders. They are great leaders. They, they do a great job, but they have an issue with their identity. They feel like we coming from America have all the solutions and we have all the favor and we have all the anointing and it's not true. They see something, you know, see us as better than them and it's not true. It's one thing we regularly address. That you are called, you are favored by God, you're sons and daughters of God and you're valued by God. Not because of your call or your ministry, you're valued by God because you're a son and daughter of the Most High God. God loves the integrity of the individual. Two weeks ago, I did a funeral, and I talked about the man on the cross. The man on the cross who somehow received a transforming revelation that Jesus was who he said he was. 
And he didn't have any idea what his destiny was. His destiny was about to be totally destroyed, and yet God didn't lose sight of this robber, this thief, this insurrectionist. He said, I have a destiny for you, and it's to be with me for eternity. Amen. And he gave that to him on the cross, and in those seconds, he changed from reviling Jesus to looking at him as a Savior. And it changed his destiny That's right. in that moment. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. <clears throat> so as we think about dreams, first I want us to see this, as we've mentioned those three things. A character deficit will destroy a disciple's integrity. And it will derail your God-designed destiny. And so you have that choice. And all of us, we are on the, always on the edge of stepping from this place of obedience and hearing God's, God's word and being in favor to making a decision to where we step across the line. And can we be forgiven? Yes. David was forgiven for his sin with Bathsheba. But the, the sword of violence that was released over his household was never swayed and never held back. And yet with David, the character who David was, he loved the Lord. And he came back in full repentance. And yet, the result, the consequences, we can't change the consequences. You make a wrong decision, yes, you can be forgiven, but you cannot change the consequences. And we need to teach that to our young people. I could get off on that, but I won't. <clears throat> so why dream? Why have a dream? Because you were created to dream. You were created to dream large dreams. And we don't even realize that. I never realized I had a destiny. And I tried to destroy it, but God didn't lose sight of that. And so he created us to dream, okay? <clears throat> uh, the word for dream and create come from the same root word in the Hebrew. One means to create. The other means uh, imagination, concept, thought. So think about that for a moment. Dream, okay, <clears throat> and conception or creation come from the same perspective. And so if we can dream, we can create. If we have something in our heart, if we speak that, it comes to pass, doesn't it? We have a creative possibility with our words. We're created in his image. That's why what we speak is so important. My, how many of you know what your love language is? If you don't, you need to, especially as husbands and wives, you need to take a look at that. But my love language is words of affirmation. And I relate to other people through that. It doesn't matter who I meet, who I see, what the occasion is. I want to deposit something in them. My wife is a beautiful balance to my life. But she can, once in a while, she's a firstborn, she can be a little critical. When she says a, a critical thing, she knows this. We've talked about this. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> she, she can shut me down in a second. But just... You know, now it used to be when we were younger, it was three day, a three-day shutdown. <laughs> I'm not being on three days, I just turned my back. I'm not talking to that woman. <laughs> I'm not talking to her. Negative. Now it's 30 seconds. Right. Literally. We can be in a car, she'll say something, and I'll go. <laughs> but then I'll jump right back in. You know, so because we trust one another. I trust her. I trust her judgment. So we need to be flexible that way. But when we dream and we create, those things, those work together. 
There's a young man, you may know, not a young man, there's a man named Charles Dutton who is famous on Broadway. Charles Dutton was in prison for manslaughter, spent time in prison. Then he got out of prison, became famous on Broadway. Somebody asked him, they said, Charles, how did you elevate yourself and rise above your background of manslaughter and get out of prison and rise to the occasion to where you're at now? How could you do that? He just made a simple statement. He said this. He said, when I was in prison, I refused to decorate my cell. Now, what does that mean? There's a culture in prison where the prisoners, that's their home. It becomes their home. It becomes their permanent home. It becomes a permanent rut for them. And so they embrace that, and that's where they live. And Charles Dutton said, I never decorated my prison. He said, that wasn't where I was staying. That wasn't where, what my destiny was. I was going to rise above that, and so I refused to live and to decorate my prison. Now, many of us, you don't have to be in prison to decorate your circumstances and live in a rut. Sometimes we allow our background. Sometimes we become victims. We embrace that victimhood. There are others who hurt us. All those things can cause us to go to a place where we decorate our spot and say, I don't want to decorate. I can't dream. I'm going to stay right here where I'm safe. And that's exactly the place where the enemy wants you to be. And like Charles Dutton, we need to make a decision and say, I'm not staying there. I'm not living there. When, when the Lord came into my life, he transformed my life. People that knew my life before, they laughed hilariously when they heard I was called to minister. I mean, literally. We were at a class reunion. Two of my, one guy I played football with, the other guy was, I won't tell you the story if he messed with my girlfriend. <laughs> Lynn and I started dating at junior in high school, and he was around her a couple of times, and I had to adjust that. <laughs> Just a little. But I had a background to overcome, but I, that happened in an instant. Lord forgave me. That's what I needed. He gave me a new lease on life, and it wasn't new. It wasn't new to him. He knew all about it because he was protecting me for my destiny. Who was it? Somebody, maybe one of the songs mentioned the foundation of the world. Your destiny was created in the heart of God before you were conceived in your mother's womb. Because he knew from the foundation of the world, he had a plan and a purpose for your life. And so, unlike the other prisoners, Charles Dutton never decorated his cell. Do you live in a decorated cell? The power to create begins with the ability to dream. That's what God does. That's the nature of God. That's why what he thinks and says comes about. In fact, it says this in, in uh, Isaiah 46, verse 10, I declare from, from the beginning how it will end and foretell from the start what has not happened. I decree that my purpose will stand <clears throat> and I will fulfill every plan. That's from the Passion Translation. And that applies to you too. The Lord is jealous over your life and your call. And he, he protects that. He's jealous for that. And so he wants us to dream. Just for a moment, think about some of the men and women that we know that dream. They dream large dreams. There was a, an itinerant pastor who was traveling around. He had a conversation with the professor. And he said to the professor, he was kind of baiting him, actually. 
He said, where do you see us in 50 years from now? And the professor looked at me and said, I see men being able to fly, to leave the earth and to somehow have machines that they can fly in. The preacher responded, he said, that's ridiculous. He said, only angels can fly. You know who the preacher was? The father of Orville. What's the other one's name? Orville and Wilbur, Wilbur Wright. Do you think he helped them to dream? Right. Other men. <clears throat> I was thinking about this. Anybody know who Marty Cooper is? I've often wondered, you know, this area of like the, the day we live in with cells and all that stuff, cell phones and what we do. I went to India, one of my first mission trips years and years ago. I was there for 30 days. I talked to my wife one time. Crazy. I don't know why the elders ever let me go for for a month, but I don't know why Lynn let me go for a month, but anyway, one time. Now, Dwight talks to Tammy five times a day via <laughs> WhatsApp. That's not an exaggeration either. That's why Tammy goes. They're, they're joined at the hip. Now, I'm glad to talk to Lynn once or twice a day, and I'm glad to do that. But somebody, and so this man named Marty, Marty Cooper, he was a son of Ukrainian immigrants, always fascinated with things. He was five years old. He saw some other boys playing with a, a magnifying glass. It's so fascinating that he went out and he figured out a way. He broke a pop bottle and used the bottom to become his magnifying glass. When he was nine years old, he figured out how to make a train ride without the friction. He knew that somehow, nine years old, he knew that friction held back the train, and he figured a way where a train could ride on magnets a technology we actually use today. He even realized that air was a friction, was, was a part of friction, part, part of the equation, and, and talked about building it in a tunnel. That same, that same young man, later, years later, began to work. He, was, he became a, an engineer, began to work for Motorola, and <clears throat> there was Motorola and there was AT&T. AT&T had the, the uh, monopoly on communications at that point. And Marty was assigned to develop a phone, a phone that didn't have wires, a phone that didn't, you know, you could travel with you, you could talk with it in your car. And so he put together a team, and they worked and worked and worked. There was a deadline because AT&T was working on it as well. And they came up and they, they conceived the idea, brought it to pass, and built the first telephone. It weighed about 15 pounds. It was tall, it was about this tall. And he went, this is how he unveiled the, this, this assignment and, and the discovery of this phone. He went to New York and, and talked to people and let them call. He had one person, they called on that phone to Australia. And the, the press couldn't believe that they could do that. And then the final thing he did was he called up, he knew the engineer in, in charge of AT&T's project. He called him up. And, and I forget the guy's name, called him up on the phone, and he said, hey, he said, how you doing? A little chit-chat back and forth. And he said, hey, by the way, he said, uh, I'm talking on a phone without wires. He said he could feel the heat coming through the phone without any wires. <laughs> can, you, and he, can you imagine what that, you know, because AT&T was a multi-million dollar company then. And here's Motorola, robbed him of the thunder, of their thunder, because Marty had a dream. What an amazing thing. And so we need to dream. <clears throat> but we need to know this. 
and I have to be careful because Dwight said I have to be done at 15 after or he's going to beat me up. <laughs> so if I put on my tennis shoes and go to 1130, I know I cannot run it. <laughs> so the principle is this, that there are dream supporters yeah. and there are dream robbers. Yeah, that's right. There are people who will rob your dream yeah. if you allow them to. And so <clears throat> think about this. In Psalm 37, 4, and this is a favorite passage of mine. Psalm 37, verse 4 says this, and this is from the Passion. Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life. Now let me stop for just for a second. That word delight, how many of you, now just the adults, not the kids, how many of you adults like to play with Play-Doh? Is there any adults that like to do that? Come on now, be honest. My wife does, she loves to, Jill does. <clears throat> that word Play-Doh, the, the word delight, it means to be pliable in the hands of another. In other words, the Lord wants to mold your life to give you the desires and delights of your heart. Where do you think they came from? My desire to travel came from the Lord. I got drafted when I was 19 years old into the Army, and, and I said, I don't want to go to the Army because I want to go, I want to see the world. I volunteered for the Navy and got to see nothing but the underside of North Atlantic because my wife and I got married out of boot camp, and uh, submarine service was $75 more a month in 1970. That was a lot of money, and so I volunteered. That was my story. But it fit into my destiny is the neat thing. It fit into my destiny. And so the Lord wants to mold your life in a way that you can dream, large dreams. Dreams that you can't accomplish by yourself. That's what's so awesome about it. What the Lord wants to accomplish through us, we can't do ourselves. But if we partner with him, the sky's the limit. That's right. God is always good at using people who lack confidence, who don't have great skills, who don't have the things that they might need to accomplish what he's called them to do. Why is that? Because he makes a way where there is no way. He, right. he enables us to do what he's called us to do. And so it says, uh, uh, make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life. Do you realize, how many of you, God has ever done something in your life that you had no idea or dream or had a desire to do, and yet it became a delight of your life? Anybody? Amen. That's an awesome thing. I've played basketball all my life. I've been in sports all my life. Back in 1997, a friend of mine came and said, would you coach our, basketball, our high school basketball team? I had never coached anything. My kids played soccer, football, baseball, uh, bowling. You know, I went in the yard, did all that with all of them, and, but never coached anything. I said, no, I, I, I no. <laughs> Come back two weeks later, he said, are you going to coach our basketball team? I said, no. He said, well, you pray about it. Now, see, you shouldn't say you're going to pray if you, you know, shouldn't say yes if you're not going to pray. I said, I'll pray about it. Long story bare, the Lord opened the door. And I look back on that three years, and it was, it was three of the most joyous years of my life. It was a hidden desire that I didn't even have. And I could tell you stories about that time, and it just was amazing. In fact, our teaching pastor at our church at the upper room, Chris Holm, he was, he was a senior on my first team. And I, it was just a desire God gave me. I didn't know that I had, and it was a delight. <clears throat> and so it goes on to say, he will provide uh, you what you desire the most. Give God the right to direct your life. That's right. 
And as you trust him along the way, you'll find he'll pull it perfectly off. As you trust him, as you let him mold your life and trust him to do that. You know, the word trust there, the word means protection. It is a picture of running to the presence of the father. It's a, it's a picture of a child running, being scared, a storm or whatever, running in dad, dad, into daddy's arms. When we trust him, we protect him. He that dwells in the shadow of the most high, who, he who dwells How's it going? In the secret place of the Most High will dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. I think that's right. Anyway, there's a shelter there, a shadow. His shadow is in you. His spirit is in you. And so we can always run to Daddy because we can trust him. And so thinking about that verse then, and, and I just encourage you to spend some time reading that psalm. It's a powerful psalm. It really is. But this point I want to make. Your dream is not about you. After telling you all that and building you up, that's a shock to your system, isn't it? It isn't about you. It is about your partnership with your creator. He and I together can do amazing things. Do you know why our our schools at Harvest Preparation are absolutely exploding? Do you know why? Right there. Now you can say, well, it's the Lord's, you know, the Lord needs somebody or wants somebody to partner with. He brought us a man of passion who leads a, a successful church, a large church, has enough responsibilities, and yet is willing to travel the world to fulfill his destiny and to do magnificent things. And that's what he chooses us for. And so it's interesting. They did a survey in the USA Today. Survey was this. If you could sit down with God and you could ask him a question, any question you wanted to, what would it be? Now, most people would probably ask maybe about, is my loved one in heaven or am I going to be in heaven? No. You know what they asked? The majority of people said this. God, if I could ask you this question, what is my What is my prayer? Why am I creating? I guarantee you. Is there anybody here that has never asked that question? What is my, why am I here? Why did you create me? And it's a powerful truth, and God wants to reveal that to us. You were created with a purpose. And so, you know, as we think about our destiny, it's about people. It's about working with people and, and encouraging people, helping people. You know, God brings us powerful men and women that we partner together with and we build relationally with. I know Dwight has told you about Isaiah. Isaiah is a powerful man, yet he's the most humble guy. And it's a delight to work with those people and the the various ones. And so we need to understand. We need to understand it's 1115, and that's only my first point. (laughs) Let me just go quickly. I'll wrap up. Can I have five more minutes? All right. Okay, so it's not about yourself. It's about your partnership. And so do you dream or do you decorate? Are you willing to, be, to decorate your place and to live in that place? Or are you willing to dream? <clears throat> Ephesians 2.10 says this, We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. 
Even before you were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works that, would, that you would do to fulfill it. Before you were born. And that's, that's, that's that, that word right there, <clears throat> being in, in the New King James uses the word workmanship. That's a very rich word. It actually means, it's from, from the Greek word poema, that means a poem. And so you are, God is the poet, and you're his, po- you're his poem. God is a songwriter, and you're his song. Think about that. <clears throat> it's interwoven in a way that is, is beautiful because you're a tapestry. That one, one person said it this way, and I had a hard time with this, so I meditated on it a little bit, said that you are a poem that God has wrapped and robed you in, which is your destiny call, and he wears you. Is that confusing? No. We carry the spirit of God. God has given us a destiny. He has given us a call. And he weaves it together in a way. I want to read this to you. This is the way one author. This is from, if you want a good, good little devotional, it's called the, the Mysteries of the Bible by Jonathan Kahn, who wrote, you, know, you probably know the books he wrote. But he was talking about this word. And uh, he was talking about Jeremiah eleven twenty eight. Remember that verse where it says, I know the plans I have, you, have for you, they're good and not evil. They're for life and not for death. And so he's talking about that, and he says that the word plan is used in three different ways, at least that many in that verse, in Jeremiah eleven twenty eight, 28. It says this, <clears throat> that word means the careful, skillful, intricate weaving of a fabric. I know the meticulous woven purposes that I am skillfully, uh, carefully, and intricately weaving together for your, your future. You see, God is the master weaver. Then he goes on to say, and he will take every thread of your life, every joy, every mistake, every failing, every victory, every defeat, every loss, every regret, every wound, every question, every thread, and will knit them all together carefully, skillfully, meticulously to become a perfect tapestry of woven love. Isn't that amazing? And so uh, the Lord is actively involved in all of that. So here's a challenge. Make your dreams match your design. Become who you are and not who you aren't. God has gifted you in a certain way. I recognize my giftings. I recognize where I'm strong and I recognize where I'm weak. And I stay away from the weaknesses. Somebody else can fill that. Recognize your gifting. You know, fall into that. Okay? And so your dreams are to touch other people. Um, Joseph is an example of that. Moses is an example. Moses uh, led a nation. Joseph. Let it, you know, prepared and saved a nation. Uh, Paul, even in his ministry, prepared the people to change the nation by his ministry. And so, you know, people are involved in that. The third point is your dream will be tested. Your dream's going to be tested. If you don't dream, you die. And so you need to dream. You need to get over the obstacles. Whenever I took over as a president of Harvard Preparation, I didn't know this. I'm not sure why it wasn't disclosed. I'm not sure why I didn't find out about it. But we were $40,000 in debt. 
Now, $40,000 isn't a lot of money to God. But to me, who didn't have $40,000, it was a lot of money. <coughs> and, and yet the wisdom of God, our absolute counsel, yeah. you know, talked. And Steve Slaybaugh made a statement that stuck in my spirit. He said, we will we'll find a way for this. We'll pray, seek God. He'll, he'll do this. But he said, we're not going to stop ministry. That's right. What was he saying? We're not going to stop focusing on our dreams. We're not going to stop focusing on our vision. We're not going to allow that. That's there. It's an obstacle, but that obstacle is going to be an opportunity, and God will guarantee that. He doesn't call you and I to fail. He prepares you and I for success. He wants you to succeed. You're going to succeed as you partner together with him. It's interesting that, and so we need, we need faith. Secondly, we need a relational presence in our lives. A relational presence that encourages us in our dreams. You don't do this together. I remember Dwight and I were talking on the phone, and we knew that Reuben Beachy was not going to be the one. And when that happened, I said to Dwight, I said, Dwight, why don't you do this? See, I'm Dwight's biggest supporter. People get tired of me talking about Dwight. I said, why don't you do it? You could do this, Dwight. You know what he said? He said, you do it. And we were both being a little facetious, but when he said that, the Lord dropped something in my heart. I go, oh, no. But he was always there. And I won't tell you the deal we made, because I don't want to put any pressure on him. But we made a deal together. He remembers what it is. I don't even know if Tammy knows. I bet she does. <clears throat> and so, you know, we, we need faith. There are going to be obstacles, but our obstacles can turn into opportunities. We need to dream about our destiny, okay? Don't let anyone steal your dream. Your destiny is at stake. Who would steal your dreams? Very quickly, I used the acronym FANS. Your friends. Friends will steal your dream because they don't want to see you, you know, they don't want to see you succeed. Jesus' family didn't want him to succeed. They didn't understand. They didn't understand the greater picture. No, I needed, when I received this assignment, I needed Lynn's support, and it was hard for her. We were entering a place in our life where we could be totally free and retire and not do anything. And she knew I'd have to travel, but you know what? We prayed through that, and she supports me. Sometimes she says, time for you to go. <laughs> and she does well. The church gathers around her. She, she traveled with me when she was younger. She said, I'll stay with the kids and the grandkids now, thank you. And I'm okay with that. So your family will hold you back. Acquaintances will hold you back. Let me just close. I'm past my time. Let me close with this. It's your acquaintances, your skeptics. What was the last one? Oh, the naysayers. Okay, so your fans. <clears throat> Monty Roberts, his father was a, uh, a trainer, horse trainer. Uh, he worked on horses, uh, trained horses, traveled around, was an itinerant uh, trainer of racehorses and so forth. And Monty caught a vision for that. And so he had a vision of what he wanted to do. So when he was a senior in high school, he was given this assignment. He was assigned to to write where he would be in 10 years from now. What was his dream? So he wrote his dream. His dream was a large one. He wanted a 200-acre farm. He he laid it out in a schematic. He wanted the house to be 4,000 square feet. Uh, He had the, the various barns located where he wanted them. had this all laid out. 
wrote his dream down, and he turned that into his teacher. Next week, they got the papers back. His had a bright red F on his paper. And he said to his teacher, he said, why? Why did I get an F? This is my dream. He said, this is crazy. Or she said, it was a lady teacher. She said, this is crazy. You don't have the resources to buy 200 acres? You don't have the technology to bring studs in here and have the, you know, do what you need to do with that? She said, you can't achieve this. Now, she said, you take this paper and you rewrite it, and I'll consider giving you a different grade. He took the paper home. He sat that week saying, man, I don't want an F on this paper. <sighs> Didn't know what to do. Went back the next week. He gave her the paper. He hadn't made one change. And she said, this is not change. She said, you're going to get the F. He said, I don't care. You keep the F. I'll keep my dream. And he took that paper and he hung it over his mantle of his 4,000 square foot house and it sits on his mantle. Don't let anyone Amen. steal your dream. Right. Let's stand together. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> I want to just close. This is your homework. How many of you want to be challenged in this area? Amen. You're willing to be challenged. Okay. All right. I'm going to give you some homework. This is easy homework, not hard. Okay. If you're willing and you want to consider this area, I want you to do this thing, three things. First, I want you to go home and I want you to choose one word, and I encourage you to have your children do this. Choose one word that would define your dream. Okay? Now that part's not going to be easy. And the second thing is, I want you to write a paragraph <clears throat> and describe the beauty and the passion and why you have this dream. Okay? And then finally, I want you to write Three things you need to do to fulfill the dream. How many of you will do those three things? Amen. Don't raise your hand if you're not going to do it. Okay, good, good, okay. Let me just pray for you. <clears throat> Thank you, Father. I have this thought, two thoughts. I both, they're both from the Lord. There is a, there's a man here around 40 years of age who um, has a great dream. This person, whoever, you have a great dream, but you've never told anyone. The dream is so great, it seems obnoxious, and you've not told anyone. And the Lord says he wants you to speak that out. If that's you, speak that dream. Tell someone, because words are life. Secondly, I sense this, that there is a, there's a, a woman here who, whose mother's words have held you back from your dream and your destiny. You have a dream and you have a destiny and your mother's words have become an obstacle for you to achieve your dream. And the third is not a word of knowledge, but it's just an exhortation. Please, please, please challenge your children to dream. Amen. Amen. Marty Cooper had two teachers. One was his shop teacher who was a perfectionist and drove Marty to perfection. The other was his English teacher who encouraged him to, to read and to read and to read. They mentored him and he didn't know it. So challenge our children to grow. Amen? Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank you that from the foundation of the world there are standing before me, Lord, those who have been created for a dream and with a dream. And Lord, they were created out of your heart before the foundation of the world. And so, Father, whether it's these ones here who are hearing this or whether it's on Facebook, those who are here, Father, I just speak an area of release for them to be able to dream 
to be able to step out in faith and to, to step into, Lord, what you have for them, which is dreams and passion and destiny, Lord. Thank you for that. In your precious name, amen. 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 Can we Thank give the Lord a praise offering? Okay, now, I want you to listen real closely. The interesting thing about this word is, is it's way more timely than you think. How many times over the last three months have we heard the term new normal? You know what? Somebody's trying to paint you into a place that you're not designed to be. What's going on is not new and it's not normal. And it's to pin you into a place that you feel like you can't get out of. I sat in uh, my barber's chair a couple months ago and I heard the girl who cuts my hair tell me, you know, one day I was cutting for someone else and I had this desire to be my own boss, but it was scary. And now not only is she her own boss, but now she's trying to encourage other people to dream, Carice. You got to dream. You know, we ordained an elder last week that if you knew Duncan's story of how many things he tried and said, you know what, I can do that differently. I, I got to get educated more. I can do this differently. I'm, now I'm doing that for somebody else. I can do this on my own. And now he owns a business where he has 70 Duncans working for him. You, you, you didn't know that. You didn't know that, but I did. This is a pivotal, timely word. Do not allow anyone to paint you into a corner that anything about what's going on is new or normal. Because what you'll do is you'll decorate this. They want us to decorate this place. So that we can't move forward. Do not decorate this time. Keep dreaming and preparing yourself to move forward. Amen. God bless you guys. Go in peace and dream big dreams. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great day.